Hello, listener. Thanks for tuning in to the Future Foundations podcast. My name is James Patrick McHugh, and with me today are Andrew Selberg and Charlie Solis of Tester Energy. Charlie's a, a graduate from Michigan Tech and Physics, and Andrew studied marketing and sustainability at the University of Iowa. Andrew and Charlie have been building something pretty cool, and I'm going to leave it to them to just explain to you. But I just want to sum it up by saying, if they do their job right, they'll never hear from you again. All right, guys. So can you tell me a little bit about how you met and started Tester Energy? Uh, Yeah. Um, So I had read about Tesla's turbine and his autobiography. Um, It was self-described at that point in time um, uh, via, what was it? Tesla speaks on gas turbines article. He said it was his greatest invention. So I was curious why he said that. Um, You know, I've heard about wireless transmission of energy, all sorts of crazy things that he did. And his turbine was his greatest invention. So I started looking around on the internet for uh, some uh, engineers, some experts that knew what they were doing that could actually make one uh, just so we could see what he could do. And uh, I came across Charlie. And, uh, that's, we, we just took it from there. Yeah. So when I, when I finished uh, university, I like, I'd always really kind of read into a lot of Tesla stuff. Um, a lot of my professors were really into him, but you know, we didn't really learn about him too much. Um, so I had been introduced to a lot of his patents, but I didn't do too much work on them. And after college or university, I started a business to more so get my feet foot on the ground, um, to figure out how to run a business and whatnot after getting my physics degree it wasn't really my forte but so I it, business was called Solus Hoods where I, it's basically a hoodie without a hood on it or without the sweater it's just a hood um, and it was just a minimum product and took that to market and sold a bunch of those over a couple of years got a bunch of different contracts for mass production to do leather production and what leather products and whatnot and when the pandemic came and up and up leading up into that point, I had been doing my own, like in my garage research on this. Cause I was like, I kind of really just wanted to stop paying for my electricity bill. And I figured with my degree, there's something I can do. And I just kind of started tinkering around and I didn't really have the ability to make a real turbine. And I knew Tesla stuff was pretty legit. Everything I'd heard about it and read about it. I'm like, this should work. Yet everyone likes to say something about how it doesn't work, but it, it should be everything I read about it was sound. And so I started making some little test ones in my garage and doing some videos about it. And I started putting them up on the internet, getting nowhere with my views. But they, thankfully, Andrew was searching enough on the internet, deep enough to actually come find my videos. And basically, we you know, our, our paths merged. And Yeah, it is kinda, a really cool model that you guys have set up. Uh, you're, you're on different kind of chunks of the country. I think I'm sandwiched between you guys in terms of time zones here. Um, I've been hearing kind of a lot of things that talk about passion, expertise, and interest really meeting for the three of you guys. Um, Something that I haven't heard a ton about yet, though, is principle. And I know Tester Energy's really got a set of rock-solid principles going for it. Um, Would you guys care to talk a little bit about how those came to be, what you guys uh, had to go through between each other when you were deciding what's going to represent you to the public and then why you landed on the ones that you did? Sure. So Charlie and I work best when we're just riffing off of each other, bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, And one one night we were talking about planned obsolescence and we were like, you know, it'd be neat if someone actually made it their, their mission uh, or their guiding principles to, to be the opposite of that planned permanence, if you will. So 
we started analyzing how we would do that with our business model. And there was about seven core principles that we wanted to adhere to. Affordability, durability, manufacturability, modularity, which I, I think is one of the funnest ones, uh, maintainability, scalability, and sustainability. I'll, I'll just go first. Affordability is, you know, the, the Tesla turbine isn't a complex piece of machinery. And so with that, you know, we have modern mass manufacturing techniques, and it just means that we can produce this at insanely low costs, you know, uh, less expensive than a, a conventional turbine. Durability uh, is another aspect here. It, it's got one moving part, and uh, it can process uh, particulates in the mode of fluid. Um, I'll let Charlie speak a little bit more uh, on that. Um, that's his area of expertise here. If you want to say anything about that. Yeah. So yeah, the, the key thing about the Tesla turbine is that you can handle particulates or multi-phase fluid flows in the turbine because the discs, the way the fluid, the way the, the fluid in, interacts with the discs is along the, uh, the faces of them. And there's no, uh, surfaces or lifting surfaces for the particulates or even wet steam to smash into. So this allows for being able to use lower grade heat and lower grade fuel sources that might have particulates in it that can be used with the turbine. And when and as well, you can combine steam and gas or combustion together to go into the turbine as well, which is can be done in other turbines, but it requires a lot more advanced materials to be able to sustain those kinds of conditions. And it's really about bringing the 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 lower end fuel side to the cheaper side of being able to offer it to people as well, because yes, you can get a turbine that will handle these things, but it's going to be 10 times more expensive than even a regular turbine to get kind of thing. So it doesn't really work out that it's the best. And it's really about, like Andrew said, there's about one moving part other than bearings. And again, we're, we're looking to try and do different kinds of bearings, depending on the condition, whether it be magnetic air bearings or even just regular ball bearings. They're all options and we're trying to make it, I don't want to jump ahead of here, but the, the modularity adds in with the durability there and the fact that it is easily replaceable too if there are parts that we need to replace for it, but they are, it's entirely modular. I've heard things that you've said here, like uh, the, you're trying to work with low grade fuel. You're trying to work with it so that it can be low grade metal if needed. Basically, you're trying to make as much accessibility here without sacrificing the quality of, of what it's doing in terms of marginal energy, yeah? yeah. And so, and then that, the, the part here that a lot of people want to talk about is that there's an efficiency. And well, when you combine it with the heating system, it, anything that doesn't get used by the turbine goes into heating anyways. So I know that's not a condition for all year round and it doesn't mean we're not working on making it efficient as well. It's just, it's a, it's a factor of the, the so we're looking at a more holistic system than it is just a turbine to sell. And it, 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 the turbine, though, makes the system accessible for use. Yeah, because it's got so many different use cases that yeah. are like interchangeable. So like, so, like, the system alone isn't un- unnecessarily expensive, but with the turbine, no one really wants to spend that kind of money. With a normal turbine, it just makes it inaccessible. And, yeah, there are tons of people who are doing it. Hospitals have these uh, auxiliary power units that they're just – they get a gas turbine and natural gas, and they just – use it for backup power whenever they need. They're all over the, there are little boxes sitting all over the place when you drive around in front of warehouses or whatever, they'll have backup generators and whatnot. Some of them are turbines, some of them not, but 
sometimes that's not really viable for most people to get for their home. Okay. So it kind of takes out the really expensive part and it also allows us to offer even better parts to the system because the turbine isn't eating up the massive portion of the, the cost of the system as well. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. Do you think that um, the, the barriers to entry right now in terms of not on your side as the business doing this, but for uh, mass appeal, let's say, or or larger adoption, are those barriers more uh, economic? Are they more scientific where people don't understand how it works? Are they just a lack of um, informational awareness where it just hasn't been marketed long enough yet to catch on? What do you think is, is the main thing that's halted this if it's simplistic in nature? So I can't really speak to why people haven't been making it work in over the last hundred years. I I just I followed what Tesla was saying to do. But to answer your question, it's a little bit of a combination of all the things you said. It's a little bit of the the science part. It's a little bit of the the cost part. So it's if for us the 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 challenge is going to be merging or finding the the specific people who may already have biomass boilers or systems on their property, where ours is just a retrofit to their kit. As well, the other side of this, what I personally, when I first set out doing this turbine and I had to explain to all my friends what I was doing in my garage, spinning these discs and whatnot, looking crazy, was I thought I was going to spend the most time trying to explain how the turbine actually worked. Like, and then I figured everyone like, well, if I got to explain how the turbine worked, it would just make sense. But I found everyone gets the turbine in about two seconds, like fluid moving past the disc, drags on the discs, causes to spin. Sure. And then everyone, because you can put that in a car, people get that. And I find most people are like, well, how are you going to make electricity with that? And I'm like, well, with a generator. And they're like, well, how does a generator work? And I'm like, the but, same way, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not being like simplistically, but it was like the same way we're doing it already. So like, it seems to be this, there's a, there's a knowledge gap between how we're already doing it. And like, this isn't too much different than what we're already doing. It's just a different way to do it. Or just a different option. Well, it's like electromagnetic fields aren't taught beyond how the poles work. Yeah. It's like the conversation seems to end there in science class. Yeah, so that's one of the things I even like to talk about because I did, like a lot of people say, oh, Tesla wasn't in our history books. He wasn't in our, he wasn't taught in school. And like, I was taught a ton about him when I was in my physics degree. The problem is he was actually doing work that was rather advanced. And if you weren't taking beyond calculus and even advanced math or even advanced science classes, you, you were probably weren't going to hear about him outside of the history book. Because right. it, it, it's a sad, sad truth, but... Uh, um. It, it it his work is very very complicated and sometimes I still struggle reading through some of his work and it's yeah. even using terms we don't even use anymore. The one that got me for the longest time and this is gonna probably age me being really young was the the they used to call capacitors condensers. Yeah. And I was reading his electrical stuff. I'm like, it can, can do a condenser. I'm like, why, why do you have a steam condenser in here? Like, what do you need a steam condenser for for this? It was. I keep seeing a commutator in the one that I'm reading. And yeah, I've yeah. never heard of that before anywhere else. I was like, that doesn't sound like it's a real scientific device. Oh, man. Every single engine had one or motor had one of them. It's basically the distributor in your your old spark or old cars. Right. Because it would have been pre-alternator effectively. Yeah. 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 And I just, it never, you know, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, it was some funny stuff. It's funny too because like the, the condenser, like I, I don't know for a fact, but it makes me think that they were like thinking the electrons were like condensing onto it. Mm-hmm. Too. Like maybe that, like that's it's kind of intuitive to maybe the way they were thinking about. Well, it's like well. if people understood that you literally can pull electrons out of the air by spinning something around fast enough, the entire world would be different. I know that sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, but I'm yeah. a layman, and in layman's terms, that's what's happening. 
you spin something metal around that can pull on electrons really fast without it exploding and it'll it'll make energy yeah it was so yeah. like i mean yeah like you get yeah, in, in theory yeah you spin the turbine it spins a generator it spins electrons those electrons move stuff elsewhere and again i'm sorry to you know benchmark my iq there. no no you're good it is exactly <laughs> that simple and then really what you guys have done that you've been promoting with your uh use cases for the tesla turbine first were that the the flu that you're using with the particulates it reduces the friction of the entire thing so yeah you i i saw in our, our and little... i might be under misunderstanding the science so, so, you're not, so what you were saying is not wrong There's, it's just a particular way to do it so it is a friction turbine, but it's not that the fluid drags on the discs because the way that the fluids and hydrodynamics work is that right off the surface of the disc, whenever the disc is submerged in an atmosphere of either liquid or fluid or gas or whatever, it, there's always a certain amount of that fluid around the surface of it. The adherence of the fluid to that disc surface, fluid being gas or liquid, is through an electro, uh, electrostatic through molecular adhesion to the disc okay. phase. And just at the surface of the disc, there's the, the fluid is always at, it's always static and stationary with the disc. And then the fluid just off of that layer is moving a little bit, sliding over that fluid. And then the fluid just off that okay. side of that fluid. So just the absolute first layer of all the fluid has that adhesion. Yes. but Instead so of that's, dragging that's the, the larger... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. That's the adhesion. Then there's cohesion, which is the fluid's own uh adherence or it's the the force that the fluid has attracting to its own self which is viscosity and so the fluid trying to the friction that's in the turbine is the fluid trying to move through itself and not friction of dragging along the turbine or the disc surface because the way to increase efficiency is by reducing slip okay if you reduce slip you want to have the least amount of slide across it so you'll have the least amount of friction but so on another term of friction there the turbulence within there, you want to have the discs tight enough so that the, there can't be any vortices or turbulent flows of the fluid, where then there's internal friction of the fluid that would reduce the amount of energy of available for the turbine to provide torque out. So if you reduce the friction, you get a higher efficiency. But yes, it is also a friction turbine. So it's, it's right. I no, it does make it. sense. It's it's just you're making effectively, uh, for lack of a better term in my mind, a spread between what the friction would be in the typical fluid, which I, for lack of a better knowledge, I'm assuming is either like water or even just like wind resistance, wherever else you'd be putting it. Yours is marginally less frictional because of the application of almost a shear from that first layer. Yeah. Having less friction with the other layers than the bare yeah. metal would with those other layers. So it's like another way to put that too is with the bladed turbines, they have a lot of windage, which is the vortices that build up off the tips of the, yes. the, the propellers. That's loss. And so now when you work the turbine in the reverse, if you use it as a pump, if you spin it and it wicks, or it flings fluid out to the periphery and then that's put through a diffuser cone. The, <laughs> the way to you want to do it is you want the discs to be moving and you want the fluid to be to accelerate with the disc by use by losing the least amount of energy to like whirling and spinning and tur- turbulence without flowing forward and so i think the difference some people like to think about how like a car has resistance to flowing through the air just because it's got drag doesn't necessarily mean it's moving the air around it along with it efficiently Mm-hmm. sometimes okay. it's 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 got a resistance to moving through the air 
but it's just causing whirling like turbulence around it that isn't actually moving with it. So like when you look at the turbine, you're trying to consider about moving the fluid efficiently with it. So you want the least amount of vortices, which in turn would, depending on how you design it, you might not actually move a lot, but you would do it efficiently. Right. Even if the, uh, the X point never quite hits zero, it'll always keep approaching there and you can push the science closer to it. Yeah. Um, And so that's, that's what, that's what designing it for different conditions and states. And a lot of people forget that the fluids like liquids, their viscosity gets lower as you raise the temperature, but gases, most gases, their viscosity goes up as you raise the temperature. So they get thicker when they get hot and they get runny when they're cold. It's like really counterintuitive. But so as you increase the temperatures of a gas turbine, you increase the thermodynamic efficiencies. But then you also, in this specific turbine, by increasing the temperature, you increase the viscosity, which increases its effectiveness, reduces the slip on it. Cool. I don't mean to get a little too complicated, but all other turbines, that viscosity increase is seen as a a drag loss on all the internal surfaces. So the increase in viscosity of the gas turbine and other bladed turbines is usually seen as a loss, where in this turbine, it increases the efficiency of it. Perfect. So I've been hearing a little bit of kind of an incongruity there between the accessibility, and we've addressed that a couple different ways, uh, the scientific aspect now, some of the economic aspects of it. When did you guys each, let's say, become aware of this? What was that moment when you realized, okay... Um, something's off here. And then you really began thinking about ways you could bring the, the two ends closer together, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess, I guess when I was like 16, I, I was, you know, really um, digging into to things, really learning. I was a voracious uh, reader. Uh, I'm forever fascinated and curious by things. So uh, I started learning a little bit about climate change and, you know, what we're doing to the planet. And I kind of started freaking out, um, <laughs> realizing, you know, how long we've been at it, uh, how late to the game to, to fixing things that we were. And it just seemed like such a, a large societal problem that I, I figured we'd be organizing amongst ourselves and in, in our own communities to really figure out solutions. People would be talking about it more. Um, people would be staying up at night trying to figure out what we could do to solve things. And then overwhelmingly, um, it just wasn't happening. Right. There was an absence of leadership. Um, I, I kept looking up and up and, and no one was addressing the issue. And in fact, a lot of people were actively avoiding it, sticking their heads in the sand, you know, stuff like that was was a little frustrating. It made me feel a little crazy growing up, you know, just being like, I'm not the only one seeing this, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, I, I mean, this has been a problem that I've been subconsciously working on since I was 16. And then when you found someone that had the right skill set, you were like, oh, my gosh, I can do something now. Oh, yeah. I was like, put let's put all of our weight behind this guy. He knows what he's doing. He's got the he's got the knowledge, you know, the degree to prove it. Um, and, and he can he can go on for hours about it. And, and uh, Charlie's an excellent teacher. Um, I feel very fortunate that uh, I've gotten to learn from him over the years. So you've kind of got a long term, I'd say you have a sweeping vision, you know, for bringing these two ends closer together. Do you want to talk a little bit more now about the the principles that we were addressing before that, that kind of seem like your roadmap for what your ideal world would uh, look like? Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we got through, let's see here, we got through affordability and durability. 
and Charlie took over for a little bit and uh, also spoke on some modularity. Um, but the beautiful thing about that is, it, uh, you know, just it, it's turbine and then add heat. And because it can use low grade fuel sources or heat, heat sources, it's really fuel agnostic. Conventional turbines can't use geothermal or uh, solar thermal. Um, those are low grade temperature uh, fuels sources, I would say. So, you know, just add heat. And so any sort of thing, I mean, you can use conventional, you know, fossil fuels in the turbine too. We're, we're trying not to go that way, but as a last resort, you can certainly use it. So any sort of fuel can really be run through the system. Um, you, you have to have some, uh, a few different setups and whatnot, you know, like a biomass boiler system, Charlie, you were saying is also basically the solar, solar thermal too. Yeah. So the, the, the modularity is that with the, it's one system and it'll, it plugs and plays with each of the systems. It's, you've got a one sort uh, thermal mass battery and whether you're using a biomass boiler or using solar thermal collectors or you're recouping heat from air conditioner and you're putting it back into, just storing it into hot water, you can use that to then make power. And as well, this means you don't need a hot water heater because you've now got a giant hot water tank that's definitely going to be hotter than your hot water or just about as hot, if not hotter than your hot water tank's going to be. So you can lose an appliance too this way. And again, with it being a combined heat and power system, you might not need to replace your furnace and you can just reuse the, the heat exchanger system within it. How how would you say that you guys can measure what the impact would be of a single turbine in a, a one family home? You know, earlier you mentioned that you may do some retrofitting, and I'd like to get to that in a moment. But first, can you talk about, let's say, um, this is a family home that's been using just a regular hot, hot water heater, maybe even tankless if they're you know trying to keep up with the times, and they're trying to say now uh, get this turbine set up and effectively you know pay once to get the setup and installation. And then what's the uh, what's the impact that that's going to make on their cost per ener- uh, cost of energy going forward? How, how can they, you know, look at it and justify the affordability aspect of it within the context of uh, the modular side of it for folks who don't already have the turbine? So, I mean, it, where I live in Michigan, up in the, I'm, I'm, I'm in Detroit area, but up in the UP where I went to school at Michigan Tech, there's a lot of people still just living on wood and using a biomass boiler or even just using it for their garage. And so like one of the biggest things we want to be here is that it may not be the Holy grail it might not solve every single problem, but it's going to help mitigate things. It'll definitely make that a more wide variety thing too. And now if we're cost effective, it's going to depend on each person and what their own energy uses. So that's a little bit, it's going to require either talking with us and figuring out your own layout. Sure. It's variable. Plan. Um, now it's pretty easy to be able to figure out if you already have an existing system, you can go off of that as well. Um, how do the, the most, the biggest impact or how, what kind of impact it's going to have on a family. So like, if you consider how solar thermal or solar PV cells, they generally around 15 to $20,000 for your collectors. And then you're going to tell, you're talking about something like about, Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for a whole home battery. If you're getting the light, nice lipos, somewhere around thirty to forty thousand dollars for a whole home system. And realistically, that will pay itself off over thirty years. If you know, but that's that's the market we're looking at here for most people. And that's when I, we kind of talked about earlier what went into what got us going in this. And personally, the thing I really got fire under my 
my rear end was I bought a house like I and I finally start paying for this stuff even more out of my pocket specifically and it's my house so I can do the work on it too so I'm gonna I'm sitting here thinking about how I can make that happen so realistically we're talking about heat and again this most people in the south don't need heat so this might not be viable for some people it's that's that is the case but so when you're in the south or depending on where you are you might get a lot more sun so the solar thermal collectors are more worth it. You don't need to worry about the biomass part, or you might want to do both. And it's it really kind of keeps it open for what each individual customer or consumer or person is going to need for their unit and what whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then that kind of variable usage impact that it's going to make, um, you know, it makes it so that you're not able to do a one size fits all, but every size that you make will fit exactly as it's supposed to for that individual use yeah. case, which yeah. plays right back into what you guys would say the whole time. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's not necessarily, there won't be a Holy grail and it's okay that there doesn't be a one size fits all there. There are, there are other systems, other ways of doing that. And that's the way of operating on, there is a general type of system most people are using because some people don't want a full home system. They just want when the power goes out. So they might just need a kilowatt. Okay. A kilowatt, a kilowatt is that'll save lives. That'll keep right. your refrigerator going. That'll keep that'll keep heart pumps going, or that'll keep dialysis machine going. If you got an a, an elder parent or a grandparent that lives with you, that saves that saves lives. Um, you know, and other people want to go full off grid too. But so now some people might need a ton of stuff for their full off grid big ass house. Excuse me, their full off grid big home. But now some, a lot of people who are already full off grid, they don't use barely any electricity also though. So you can't just, so this is the off grid model because it depends on what you're doing off grid. Right. And you can say, well, this is the generator model that we could fit for you. That goes from one kilowatt to let's say 85. I don't know what battery sizes hold, but then you can go, look, tell us what your usage is. And then for your use case, we have standardized individual parts that we can put together to make you a full picture yeah and so to hop i think with the next um what's coming up as well is that we can you can build off of it it's scalable and when we say scalable it's not just it's scalable to market but we mean if you need a bigger system it's cheap to get the extra add-on that it's you're not buying the whole system over again right kind of thing you can buy or we're we're looking into it something we're contemplating on is offering um uh, I think you've mentioned it in somewhere in our, our brief outline about daisy chaining, but I think you just mean staging, right? So that's something we can offer is that we'll we'll have a base model of just the single stage turbine that gets X amount of efficiency. You can buy extra stages that'll be modular to that system. And you can, right. like you said, daisy chain them. And then the that opposite effect happens where they get exponentially better over time instead of... Or- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, you're, it, it, again, there's going to lie your interstage losses depending on how you do it. And then, and so that's what we're looking at doing. And I've been designing the system to be hyper modular in that sense, too. Like, the, the turbine itself also should be very easily, um, uh, easy to work on. I'm not trying to make anything complicated. Like my, if, if you mentioned a flamethrower, <laughs> those were the very first, first steps. I was just like, I'm going to make fire. And, but so since then I have it in a nice, very nice flame tube boiler burner, says water jacketed system. Not with the, um, the little craft mac though. and cheese asbestos <laughs> slices around it anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the funny part is those were actually the extras, the, the negatives to the star washers I cut for the turbine. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, so it, what are you using for? Yeah. 
But so that, that was just a, that was kind of just an embarkment down. I wanted to also figure out very an easy way that if we can make this off of the off the shelf parts, you don't need to come to us to go buy that replacement part. You can go down to Home Depot or you can go to your hobby shop or you can go wherever, like, like the generators that we're trying to stick with, they're trying to be off the shelf. So you should be able to, be able to get them somewhere around where you're from already. Is anything you guys are doing going to be patented or is it patented already? Sorry, I don't mean to, you know. Um, oh, most, so currently we're trying to stick to his patent as much as possible. That way it's just the most, it's the easiest for us to get there. There's nothing right. complicated. It doesn't take much. And now we're obviously going to be doing some auxiliary you got to have RPM control and whatnot. So we might go with some third-party person that's got their own. You can get a third-party person to design the electronic system for us and maybe take a load off of us. But other than that, we're trying to stick as close to the patents. There's still, while you could, we're not doing anything proprietary, there are still specifics that, like, we had to figure out. You could angle it if you had to for some whatever reason. Yeah, and, and, and we also have a lot of other um missions ahead of us too there's this is this is just the stepping stone to get us to what we want to really do with other project projects that's kind of andrew mentioned close to the beginning or maybe even before we started recording that you kind of needed to have product you know to get to making bigger impact along the way yeah Um, yeah you need you need your your chutzpah you need your your you gotta have you gotta sharpen your teeth on something and have something that you can show people look what we did too to be able to do something bigger yeah, absolutely. Right. And I mean, that's that's why Tesla needed it in the first place. He, he needed to, to run experiments. He needed the power. Um, so that was one of the reasons he, he made his turbine. Yeah. Um, so we've covered um, we've covered now affordability, durability, manufacturability with the off the shelf parts. Ideally, we're just ma- manufacturing, you know, testers. Um, we covered modularity. And then the last few here. Uh, maintainability is, you know, we're going to make simple to repair. And this is where you were saying, you know, if we never hear from you again, after your purchase, we've accomplished, accomplished our mission. Um, that that's it. We, we don't want you to have to <laughs> come in, do the whole car dealership thing. Uh, you know, it's all a pain in the ass. It's, uh, we, we, in an ideal world, it just runs. And if you need to put in new bearings, because those, you know, need replacing that's that's great we're gonna make that easy for you to do yeah that's something i've been meaning that's one of the bigger things that i've been working on when i've been doing this it's funny the most of my time has been spending building the rest of the stuff around the turbine whether the casing or the bearing or the the shaft like it's not even the turbine that i've been working on and these are all off the shelf solutions too if we had our money to just go with something else yeah. I, would be, I could be actually working on the turbine i could be <laughs> instead of working on the bearings and the generator hookups like we could be getting just it, it, it's what we and it's this a good point here too is that if what you see on our social media and on our website that's what we've been able to do with our own money that is right. like that is we've had nothing and we've been doing everything with no help like oh i get it guys and so like it, it, <laughs> And that's, that's the thing. It's sitting there. It's a plastic and aluminum turbine, and it's putting out more than most homes use on an average basis. Like, oh my gosh, you know this is this is really a huge. Um, it's a huge vat of potential sitting in front of you. So I mean, uh, even if I think we might have covered this one already too, but the the fluid that's used in each case is going to be different relative to the case. 
Um, yeah, you guys oh, yeah. don't have a proprietary, this is the tester fluid in the tester turbine either. Oh, yeah. These are yeah. organic brain keen or you can do steam. So we might offer in the future, there might be a steam version or we might offer a version where you could use a different refrigerant in it. And so like the, it, if I have my way with it, it'll be one system and you can put whatever you want in the closed loop. And right. So it is, we're still kind of working some of those little, how much are we going to go to market with? And then what will, what can scale? And then also what do people really need? That's yeah. the most important thing here. And again, I was kind of saying the, the like maintainability along with making it, if you did need to replace a bearing or you did need to replace a part, it's not only going to be easy, we're going to have a whole suit of module modules of online training videos or how to step-by-step how to do this part, how to replace this part. So part of not hearing from us means you don't need to call us. We've already given you the tools to do stuff if you want. And also if you want, we can do that too. We will offer maintenance back well. Servicing it is a whole, you know, opportunity for people who are either too elderly or infirm or disabled or, you know, anyone who needs uh, accommodations like that, that creates a whole sub industry for it. Yeah. You know, there are less and less plovers. Some of that comes down to, you know, segmenting our target market as well is figuring out specifically, we might not be able to be for everyone. We might not fit in everyone's home. We're not, we might, might not be what some people are willing to do for some maintenance on it, but it doesn't mean there's not a ton of people out there that are still looking for that solution. That, are that does fit in with your larger approach of fuel agnosticism on this. Is it if you recognize, hey, you're not the best in every case, then you can approach every case with hey, let's inform these people of what is the best for them. Yeah, and then if we are, let's help them get there quicker. Exactly. And then you know they might even inform us like, hey, that we found a bunch of people who actually need this. That might be something we want to consider doing, Al. So, and it's for right now the way we're approaching the system and how we're building it out is that adding in a system like that would be nothing. It would be it would it's, you're doing all the legwork ahead of time so that when you want to add something to it, it's buy that package or get that package or get that package. Yeah. Right. And then the whole thing with the hypermodularity and scalability is that uh, disconnecting and reconnecting pipes and components and stuff like that um, is done via usage of tri-clamps. And, you know, we make memes about it on our social media posts and say tri- tri-clamp is life. Um, you know, it makes things assembling um, as easy as some very well-known kids toys that are very popular that you might step on in the morning. Um, <laughs> yes. Not to copyright um, strike ourselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so like to add on that, too, like the, that's part of what makes it even more viable as well is that we're not trying to rebuild the wheel. No, we're using systems that are already mass produced for food processing or other industries. And we're piggybacking off of these industries to be able to do stuff so that it helps keep the cost a lot lower for customers that we can. We are not trying to, again, build the wheel, rebuild the wheel. Yeah. Since your focus is really on um, helping as many people find the best fit for them as possible. I am curious and I want to ask you guys, how, how have you, uh, how have you felt about working with nonprofit entities? Have you thought about organizing the company into a nonprofit down the line when it gets to like corporate size? Um, do you guys care to talk about how you feel about that or if it's something that might be on your horizon? So it, like one person was, one group was in Africa or South Africa and it was just, we didn't have the legal skills to communicate with, with working out a deal, even with them kind of, right. so that was a big hurdle for us at the beginning. We're a lot farther now. But so we're definitely open to that. And part of why we're LLC is just we're just trying to keep ourselves able to move and not necessarily 
be nonprofit or a profit. We we would love to be nonprofit in the end because I, we have so many other projects that this is this is supposed to help people. Yeah, I was just like, curious. I have a, a nonprofit buddy who I'm uh, I've got an interview in a in a couple months with, and I I, I will, I'm trying to fit all the puzzle parts together, you know, in my head. Yeah, and we've and been often. talking we've been talking to people here and there, nothing officially by any means, by trying to get stuff into Ukraine as well. And if not, oh, be cool. help out there. It just it's just imperative. Yeah. And it sounds like right when you were doing when you were earlier on, it kind of would have created more incidental funding needs than like you could afford to take on at the time. And then at this point, you're kind of growing towards where you need to be. But even now, it's kind of carpool before the yeah, horse yeah. Because yeah. like we, we this this is a gas turbine. You can use it for anything you want. You put it in a car, you put it in a plane, you put it in a drone, like. The, the sky's the limit for where we want to go. And we're just kind of, we're, we're focusing on what can help people most now and what we think is got a nice runway, you know, that's going to have the least amount of hurdles to get through to people and get us to those next steps. Because we can do that cool, fun stuff once we have those, that momentum. One yeah. of the things we've, we've hardly addressed here, and I'm hoping Andrew's willing to talk about it a little bit, is you guys have been pretty much remote the entire time you've been working together, right? You're, you're across the country from each other. I know I dipped on it very, very briefly, but can you guys talk about what it's like to manage that uh, on the day-to-day since this is a business and we're entirely digital now? Yeah, it's it's been actually not as hard as you would think. Um, you know, I guess us millennials know how to work online. <laughs> um, but really, everything that you, you need to, short of, of Charlie showing me how to use some of the equipment in the lab and whatnot like that, everything's gone digital. I mean, we need to we need to work on a new plan. We, we just get on a Google Shared doc, uh, get on Google Meet, and just hammer it out. Uh, we, it's like working right next to each other. Besides that, I, 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 I've had a great time working remotely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it helps that we get along very well. We have very yeah. similar interests. Um, <laughs> you know, so like it, it's been, it's, it, we're in constant communication so that it, there's also a trust that we both have the same passion and we have the most, we have the same, same drive. We know we can trust each other's motives in this as well. Yeah. That's one of the most important things in any kind of partnership, whether it's uh, limiting liability or, or or full, you know, or any kind of uh, corporate structure you guys use. You got to be able to not just trust that the people you delegate tasks to will do what they're told if necessary, you know, but also that they can act independently when the situation calls for it, too. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Trust is everything. That trust is is rare and far between. I'm I'm lucky to have found a business partner I can trust as well, but it took a while to meet somebody for that. So yeah, don't underestimate that power, guys. You guys sure. yeah, wow. Yeah. Ditto. Love you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um let me ask you a couple of those those fun money style questions here at the end. You know, we've danced around it a little bit, but like if you guys could overcome any major, let's say, uh, milestone, what's the, the biggest hurdle to get you guys to that point? Um, you know, after the recent uh, compressed air test, steam tests, we've kind of cleared the hurdle for proving out the system. Um, right now, we're, we're at the point now where uh, we need funds to, to expand, to set up production, to start testing things. You know, that's endurance testing, that's stress testing, uh, you name it. And that takes money. Sure. Um, so right now, I mean, we've got a couple different uh, ideas of how, how to get this funded. Um, 
One is a marketing campaign plus Kickstarter. Another is through pre-orders. You know, if we get, let's say we cover the cost of materials and manufacturing uh, for every system, then we can we can go from there uh, via pre-orders. Um, another is working in tandem with some nonprofits, like you said. With any of these, these are not things that can that are just existing alone as silo. We can pair these all up if if we need to. Right. Um, and another is just going the traditional uh, find an angel investor and and see what we can do with that. You know, someone someone it would take somebody that that has some fairly deep pockets and and their interests are aligned with ours. Um, you know what we're what we're doing isn't exactly easy. Um, getting everything built and, and tested. And if they have the stomach for that and the time horizon, you know, that that would probably be a, a great option to go down. So let's break down what those kinds of remaining R&D factors would be like a little bit. I, and I'm spitballing and feel free to tell me I'm wrong, obviously. But I'm thinking you would need to prove a retrofit uh, so that you can have like a personalized use case on standing framework, right? You'd need to prove a like a, a freestanding model in just like a randomized environment so you can prove that you can customize it within your parameters. And then you'd need to have at least one working physical prototype without a use case so that you can comfortably explain the physics behind it in layman's terms. Is there anything like I know that's not that I'm trying to spin this up as like a, a pitch deck in my mind, but is there another main case you'd have to prove to get yourself to that next step? Yeah, yeah. So like realistically with our social media right now on my, my Instagram, we, we've got a lot of people who've expressed a lot of interest who are interested in pre-orders. We were thinking about doing it around New Year's, but it just we wanted to be more buttoned up about what we're offering and we don't want to go too early. That just leads to problems. So we had to push that back a little bit more. But as far as what we need to still do, um, what you're seeing in that garage of mine, I'm literally about to take that and stick it on a trailer and then it around just to show its mobility as well like you're talking about so we're definitely going to need what well, first off we need a couple of units just to torture test that will have they're just going to get destroyed we right will, we will take them to limit but so as far as r&d i think I, I briefly mentioned before about how i'm we're trying to figure out how to do what we can do with what we have not necessarily what we want to do and how we would do it if we could mm-hmm. if we had the money there'd be a lot of stuff i wouldn't even be bothering i wouldn't be bothering with this whole new gear system and bearing hub and whatnot i would have just done the right that's I see what you're saying. You would stuff. buy the top of the line, whatever, if, if money yeah, was no object. Yeah, right? got air bearings, just bought them, you know. <laughs> You've been right. Fair done, you know? Fair been so, like, a lot of the work has been kind of showing people, too, that there's also ways of doing this at home, at, right. on your own, because it, not everyone wants to do it. So, like, part of what we want to offer is not just the turbine, too. We want to maybe, if they, they can do the turbine, or I'm not saying we suggest people are doing it, but some people will. We want to be able to offer a holistic systems and options. And as you said before, we might not be an option for everyone, but we'd like to help everyone find that option. And we'll be doing yeah. that through like online modules and and through different platform stuff through our website. And if you get somebody to the point where they go, oh, I totally understand the appeal of a micro home power plant. I'm not in a place where I can buy it right now, but now you've got me on the, on the path of sorting out how it works, figuring out how to as much of it as I could do for myself and then call you guys to fill in the gaps. That's a way that you can help out, make your cut to sort of, you know, exist. And then they can also take the power back into their own hands early on. Yeah, and that's how you build word of word of mouth too. Like yeah. we didn't have to sell them a system and still like us and or yeah. her, you know, someone. It's just about building a good respect with the community and all. Absolutely. 
making because, sure we offer stuff that's just if, even if you're not getting our stuff we might still have solutions for you to help fix your stuff you might you'll find a solution for your system in our on our files and our in our modules that'll help teach you a part of the system you didn't realize you guys sound like you're familiar with impact theory yeah maybe I not guess. so it's like the idea in business that instead of saying um if you build it they will come you know, like, oh, I'll build a, a factory selling product and then I'll find a customer base and I'll sell it to them and I'll push the price to see what they'll pay for it. Instead of doing that, you go, I find a problem, I will solve it for yeah. people. And then that impact is the marketing for you. Instead of going, ah, oh, come pay me even more than the next guy to solve it yeah. for you. You go, oh, yeah. look how much difference we've made. Yeah. That's yeah. Like you're, yeah. Total, total so believers in that. There's, there's a ton of money out there uh, that people impact. are going to start figuring out that can be made in fixing the planet and fixing things and, and just making it right again. And um, yeah, once people really wake up to the fact, there's going to be a lot of businesses going around doing that. Uh, there's, like I said, it's just a lot of money left on the table. Part of what really leads me to what we're doing is that I've, I've been finding stuff that has been an issue for me, stuff that I needed to solve, which is what the, the general general populace or the average person is going to have an issue with. Like I, like I said, I started by trying to find a solution for my home with power. This is something everyone's going to need. Everyone already needs. Everyone needs power. And something that I even found along the way was that even the Amish use windmills to compress air and store in giant tanks. And they use that to power their woodworking machines so like everyone used power in some form or another and it's it's just it's finding that need and that making sure you can be impactful with it the corniness of the 70s and 80s has this ever happened to you commercials with (laughs) the genuinity of like a real modern use case where you're making people's lives better i love it so let me ask you guys um if people want to get involved if they want to ask you questions directly that i didn't cover here or if they want to donate time energy or resources uh is the social media probably the best way to reach out to you guys how would you prefer to be approached yeah so my solisodes on instagram is the our biggest social media and you can do if you go into my link tree on the, in my bio there you can reach all the different ways of um donating between directly donating in there or buying some of our merch or across there and then i also have my youtube channel which is just my name, Charlie Solis. And then we, as well, we're about to start launching all of our videos for the Tester Energy YouTube channel, which will just be Tester Energy. And we also have a website with some of this information on there, uh, like our competitive advantages, our our business philosophy of planned permanence, uh, some more information there on the, you know, biomass boiler um, system, solar cryophorus. Also, um, some of our uh, test results, you know, our, our test videos and, uh, the graphs that explain uh, energy in, energy out, stuff like that. And that's www.testerenergy.com. So you got and, T-E-S-T-U-R energy? Correct. correct. And that's short for Tesla turbine energy. All right. Well, all right. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking with me today for, uh, it looks like we were here almost an hour and a half. This has been a great time. Um, do you have anything final you want to say to all the people that listen to this in the future? Um, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope we can help you guys in the future. And uh, regret nothing. The end. Ron Swanson. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, James.